Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Um, so just maybe to get us started, how, how many people in the audience have ever received a dick pic? It's a good deal. How many people have ever sent one? Twat shots count. I'm just going to... Okay. Um, great. Okay. So this is um, Towards a Theory of a Dick Pic. At this very moment, countless dicks compete for your attention. Some archived and waiting to be accessed through the same internet search tools you use to find new restaurants. Some directed at you personally through the same applications through which you tell your family you're doing just fine. Surely, in your five-block radius, someone is in the process of organizing his, her, or their junk for a photo, and someone has, to their disdain or delight, on a phone or computer that looks remarkably like yours, just laid their eyes on one. Despite their omnipresence, the dick pic is remarkably underthought. Besides the clickbait paradigm of pathologizing individual senders, albeit this is sometimes earned, the aesthetics, history, and yes, cultural significance of dick pics has yet to be worked out. I'm taking up the task today with some excitement about debasing my philosophical heroes by applying them to this subject, and I hope you forgive this early draft as I attempt to place the dick pic at the intersection of anatomical and juridical photography, POB pornography, the selfie, and finally, the global brand. One. In the by now familiar narrative, photography served the essential epistemological drives of modernism, which sought to link vision and truth. Indeed, the interpretive conventions of the photograph were established within phrenology and physiognomy, two disciplines bent on interpreting the body's truth through its measurements, most often to diagnose criminal or medical pathologies. Of course, during a period of European colonial expansion and in the midst of the emergence of Darwin's theory of evolution, the truths photography exposed were often classist, racist, and sexist fictions intended to legitimate class, racial, and gender differences on organic ground. Even while the Tumblr critique my dick pic ur urges its contributors and users to think beyond size... <laughs> And importantly, beyond gender, it seems essential to remember that measurements, size, width, length, girth, whatever, are some of the dick pic's main obsessions. Consider how many include a lighter or a pencil for scale, or most literally, as in a mugshot, are framed against a measuring tape. This desperation to quantify, despite the reams of seemingly excellent advice that sex partners could care less, and the intuitive or experiential evidence that some particularly endowed forms do not function during sex, size seems inherent to the dick pic's peculiar forensics. 
Why the obsession with measurements? Dick pics are evidence that masculinity failed to escape modernity's visual regime. It's not that modernity created the demand for a visual basis for masculinity. One could argue that at birth, that at birth gender assignments marked a proto-modernist concern, but rather it established the absurd idea that masculinity could exist as a rational quantity on a scale, making some more men than others. And it proliferated the even more absurd idea that that more could be marked by the visual cue of a larger cock. At the heart of a dick pic, then, is a profound anxiety about the modernist notions that have governed our world. For modernism's discovery of photographic truth is also painstakingly relative. How do we order and extract information from a photo? Though the photograph may stand in measurable optical relation to its subject, its meaning is made through systems of ordering and comparisons. The systems, in, the systems invented by two central architects of the medical and criminolo- criminological image will serve as instructive examples for the dick pic. French criminolo- criminologist Alphonse Berton, ap- his apparatus to identify criminals consisted of 11 measurements of the body and a system of filing that organized images along a bell curve. Merton called for a massive campaign of inscription, a transformation of the body's signs into a text. That dick pics are in fact streams of textual ones and zeros makes this inscription literal. Founder of eugenics, Francis Galton, invented the composite photograph as an epistemological tool, taking a series of photos on one piece of film and underexposing them at the ratio with photos in the series so that, he argued, only the visual similarities would emerge. Perhaps this is a disturbing origin point for the algorithmic tools he Tostero reminds us construct our every digital photo, highlighting the visuals from the noise according according to predictive data generated by prior images. Each dick pic, then, bears the marks of all others that came before. (laughs) Situated within the history of photography, the cybernetic politics of the selfie seem dramatic, inevitably overstating the Internet's role in creating a system which orders and gives meaning to images. Brian Dercator's cogent but ultimately over-eager theory works along these lines, suggesting that selfies differ from self-portraits in that the portrait inscribes the self into history, an image to extend beyond the subject's life, while the selfie inscribes the self into a network, an image to circulate in a networked present. Mm. Eileen Miles said that was like the moment where you show them your neck, and I always think about when I, that when I do that. I drink water. It's like, show them your neck. Um, Every proper portrait has its lurking, objectifying inverse in the files of the police, Alan Sekula wrote. Surely every selfie has its objectifying inverse in the dick pic. The dick pic marks a stage in photographic representations of the self, unlike the portrait or the selfie. For if both the photographic portrait and the selfie subject humans to representation within a network, then the dick pic figures what happens when humans internalize that subjection to objectify them. Themselves. It's important here that most dick pics are headless, shot from the camera's perspective when placed in front of the face and so notoriously full of feet. 
The networked camera stands in for the subject's gaze, overtakes it, and looks at the self. This is not Drocotor's invitation for art selfies, let us see you, see you, but let us see you, see your see yours, panoptically alighted into let's see it. This is not the body without organs, but the organ without the body. History has cordoned off the dick pic to the juridical rather than medical sphere. Discourses about propriety in photographing medical patients sprung up almost immediately. Photographs of female nudes scandalized medical photography first, just as the vagina had scandalized anatomy drawing so much that the clitoris was largely left out. But soon, all medical subjects would be clothed, abstracted, or drawn for fear of pandering to voyeurs. What the discourse around medical photos still offers dick pics is a constant concern over extraneous information and a need for, as medical scholar Martin Kemp calls it, visual pointing. The crumpled sheets, bad lighting, and dirty bathroom floor of the average dick pic take the place of the extraneous detail in the early medical photo. In Susanna Breinhoff's words, as historical and cultural artifacts, they inadvertently reveal too much. At their juridical limits, dick pics also reveal too much. I wish I could avoid giving Anthony Weiner's sexting scandal further attention, yet it marks an instance where the dick pic moves beyond the scope of representation to illuminate the structural conditions that make them possible in the first place. Even though fingerprints eventually replaced photo identification schemes, using a physical trace left in the world as opposed to the chemical trace of a photo, the dick pic is in fact both at once. It is a representation and traceable evidence, for each photo bears a timestamp, a location stamp, an IP address, a map written in metadata. The system of the dick pic, in fact, emerges through its juridical reach, a metonym as much a metaphor. The word dick in itself emerged metonymically, a name for an everyman to name something every man was thought to have. A central metonym for capitalism, we might argue, is the logo. The logo, in the form of a swoosh, a golden arch, even Hello Kitty, signals nothing except the abstract value of a commodity. Not its materials, synthetic fabrics, questionable meat, soft plastic, but, as Marx would call it, its spirit, animated through the process of exchange. As a mark of a brand, a logo implicates a product in the capitalist transition from use from use to exchange value, serving as a visual cue for how this value is added. The dick pic, I will argue, stands for the economy of affect, attention, and libido that has come to define the century. As global communication technologies incorporate and conglomerate, the dick pic functions as their crowdsourced logo. Um, so that's all I have on that tonight. Um, Thank you so much. And part two, if you're still curious, part two and part one um, should be published at uh, Rhizome within a few weeks. Um, so if you're just dying to hear more. Um, thanks. Thanks, Tracy. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. I should say that that was the first time I ever saw that.
thought was like, I was inspired to, I like, blanked up. There are dick pics in my book, but not actual photos <laughs> of dicks, but they're represented. Um, so, I... Well, I think mine works. Um, like Jake said in his scrambled introduction, my book is made of emails and text messages and G-chats, and... 75% of that, or, or roughly, is with this dude named Matt, who lives in Austin, who I have a long-distance text message relationship with, which I think is like an increasingly ordinary thing to have with someone. And um, he couldn't be here, so I got my adorable friend Matt Doyle to read as Matt from the book. And th- th- this is like an adaptation that skips around but moves from like the middle of the book till towards the end and I think that's all you need to know Um. oh yeah 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 just a second okay here we go Friday, January 17th, 2014, 4.15 p.m. Bobo, what are you doing? Hey, I was about to text you. I am reading at my house. I am Googling how to write a check over to someone. Checks are so arcane. Is your friend Rhett gay or straight? He's gay. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? I have a three-day weekend, and I freak out when I have no structure because basically the only human interaction I have is at work. So the start of that feels like three days of staring into the abyss. You should hang out with Rhett. Yeah, I texted him. He texted back. Do you think it's going to be awkward when we see each other IRL for the first time after all of this over-determined texting? Maybe. We can talk about it. It's not sexual for me, so I don't think so. I've been meaning to tell you it is still sexual for me. To go back to our last IRL encounter, you were dropping me off at the airport in your weirdly butch pickup truck, and I was subtly or not so subtly trying to construct a romantic moment, and you were clearly not vibing on that. And as you pulled away, I felt faintly heartbroken, but I can also remember having respect for your absence of passion, while I was all passion of absence. But that's like characterologically how I respond to intimacy, FYI. I think I understood that at the time. But something I've been wanting to admit to you, and I don't want to sound too serious because I don't take it that seriously, is that I still have this unlived slash fantasy life in which you come to LA and we become boyfriends and I am fixed. And I realize you're really averse to feeling responsible for others' happiness and dependent on like that. It's just a fantasy. But still, like, it's a big thing for me. But it doesn't affect very much of how I am to you, what I say, etc., Well, I can hear that and not be overwhelmed because it's your fantasy, and I don't think it's really about me. What I can give you is the friendship we do have, which hopefully is fixing us both in lots of ways. Ridiculously, even now, I was a bit hurt to see you refer to this as a friendship, though of course I know that's what it is. (laughs) But really? Fixing lots of ways? I don't know. Foucault, colon, the development toward which the problem of homosexuality tends is the one of friendship. Are you still there? Are you masturbating? Is this chat just your backup tab? No, I'm cooking dinner. But good guess about the pace. 
I am really into the chat, but also really hungry. Saturday, February 1st, 3.37 p.m. Hi, little Matt. 11.59 p.m. ZXCVBNM. Sunday, February 2nd, 2.51 p.m. Philip Seymour Hoffman died. Are you over me? (laughs) I'm here. My phone was dead all day yesterday. What were you doing? I am trying to leave my phone at home more, a.k.a. I did that once. (laughs) Yesterday, let's see. Oh, the blind date. I just wrapped it up. He was cute and nice. It was tonight or it started yesterday and y'all rocked around the clock? Nah, tonight. What did y'all do? What did y'all talk about? Asking like this makes me feel sorted. Did he get all gooey for you right away? 9.01 p.m., two identical emoji clocks. Monday, February 3rd, 12.59 a.m. Fix the internet. Oops, wrong person. (laughs) Friday, February 7th, 11.13 a.m. I got distracted. I thought maybe you were self-consciously constructing drama. Hi. Hey. Drama? Nah. Drama is such a gross idea, as evidenced by the people who are the highest utilizers of the concept. Who, like theater people? MySpace girls wearing red and black thigh highs, La Brea piercings. Their boyfriends are the worst. La Brea piercings? Oh, labia. You got dis- <laughs> You got distracted? Nah, I'm at Petco with the ferrets. Text me later. I'm at Office Max with the three ring binders. Tuesday, February 18th, 2.28 p.m. I had a dream about you last night. I ran into you at a party in L.A. and you were dressed in an old man costume with your hair spray-painted silver. I was like, why the fuck didn't you tell me you were going to be in L.A.? And you were like, it's not a big deal. I wouldn't do that IRL. What a shitty way to respond. I wouldn't think so. We had sex, that guy and I. I put it in his butt. Did you stay hard? No condom, no lube, no discussion. Men are disgusting. Yeah. No discussion about no condom? Yeah. I was, like, teasing him, and he just nodded. I was like, okay, suit yourself. Where is the relationship leading? Not that you should know that. I don't know. I need to learn more about that, like, his history, where he's at. He's so normal, I assume he wants a long-term BF, but I can't think about that because it has nothing to do with what I want. Usually when people want that, it's noticeable. Speaking of things that have nothing to do with you, I jerked off thinking about you when I woke up this morning. (laughs) Emoji circus tent. Whoa, I'm honored. Welcome to the circus. Being J.O. material is crazy. I wonder who you've been J.O. material for. I do too. I wonder what the most degrading thing I've ever had to endure in someone else's fantasy was. (laughs) I was kind of having trouble remembering what you look like. It's been almost a year since we were IRL. Whoa, yeah. Long time no see. Wednesday, February 19th, 12.18 p.m. I just woke up in a man's bed. He has navy sheets. He has a tattoo on his shoulder that says Faith along with like 15 other tattoos. What else does he look like? I was thinking of calling him Titanic, LOL, because he's so big and built. Um, He is a person of color. (laughs) Did you feel tiny like a spider monkey crawling up his thigh? He just said, oh, I can't complain to his boss on the phone. Yes, you can. What kind of sex did you have? Photo, selfie taken from man's bed. This one's good, you can have that. (laughs) Um, He fucked my face while we were showering. His place? Yeah, let me say bye. Okay, bye. No, bye to him. (laughs) 12.56 p.m. 
As I was leaving, we hugged, and the cold bottle of Fiji water he had given me touched his side, and I teased him with it, and then he took my clothes back off and gave me a hand job using this huge jug of lube on his nightstand. You came? Yep. Do you like bottoming still? Sometimes. You described always secretly being in a ton of pain, and then recently that it was working finally. Yeah, it has gotten better. The guy I'm with seems to have a real stretchy, relaxed butthole. He feels like a natural, I think. That's nice. Do you think you'll be spending a lot of time there? I have some performance anxiety. I have some performance anxiety about not lasting long enough. Maybe I should get acupuncture for that or something. There meaning his butthole? Yes. Maybe. I wonder about where and how people learn to have sex. Like, he seems sort of wholesome, but he's real piggy. Is that natural, or from porn, or old boyfriends, or what? Porn is big for sure. And where did all the timid, prissy, reserved gays go, and where's... What's their sex looking like? I'm at the eloquentest, preppiest gay boy ever right now, and he got rimmed in a public restroom last night. (laughs) Also, the first sex act he performed was rimming me. Rimming is like the new handshake. I want to meet someone who only jerks guys off after they're officially dating and only fucks using a condom after like a month of officially dating. I would be that BF. I think most people learn to have sex ages 15-ish through 20-something. It takes them a while with a mixture of porn and trying stuff and following instincts. Instinct is interesting. I hate being on top of someone unless I'm fucking them. And that has always been true. I want to feel the weight of that body on top of mine, except if my pee-pee is inside you. That's a weird specific instinct thing that I'm like, what's that about? Have you had any sex lately that looked or felt or seemed like porn sex? Maybe two or three times, you? Nah, never. <laughs> Actually, maybe this one time. Also, who rimmed your friend? What kind of guys hit on, r- hit on and rim prissy preppy literary faggots? <laughs> Photo, healthy looking food in a Tupperware container. <laughs> What kind of sex can a person who eats dinner out of a Tupperware at their psych hospital job, lentil salad and roasted sweet potatoes have? I want to believe I can do whatever I want, but will I box myself in? Hold on, driving. 1.21 p.m. The guy who rimmed my friend was bearded and burly. He said he was super turned on by white boys and loafers, so what my friend said is that his ankles got him into it. I don't think you're boxing yourself in with the psych job or the Tupperware. Not when it comes to sex. When it comes to sex, I think it's mostly our bodies and our words that box us in. My words, then. That's right. Tonight, Edmund White is coming to Skylight. I work here, also. Did I say that? <laughs> Emoji, smiley face with tear. Thursday, March 13th, 11.22 a.m. I talked about our project with this girl I just had brunch with. She is so confused why anyone would ever produce something like it, which I understand. She also felt it was, like, too intimate, also too irrelevant to the reader. Twas my perception. 1.08 p.m. Do you have boys sleepover? How do you fare sharing that twin bed? Men don't like it. It rarely happens. One guy who was about to tie me up saw my room and said, Hey, look, I gotta go. <laughs> LOL. What do you think he was responding to? 
Mattress size, lifestyle, subculture, decor choice. LOL, mattress size and lifestyle. If I'm going to have a sleepover, I need so much space. It's a side effect of being middle class in America and growing up in my own bedroom with my own huge bed alone. Totally. Dirty girl seeks to upgrade mattress style. Ha ha. I want to be like more into sharing space and having it feel good. I want to be capable of that. Like needing and being with other people instead of in my money fortress of privileged solitude. Masturbating. Question mark? That's what you would do in your fortress. Yes, or like observe other people from afar via porn. Afar. Jafar. Jafar is gay and so is the sultan and the genie is not heterosexual. The the genie is asexual or like, I don't know, something else. I'd eat the sultan's butt. Pansexual? I bet it looks like a peach. Not pansexual, it's weirder than that. Have you seen that documentary, Married to the Eiffel Tower, about objectum sexuality? No, I don't know what that is. Objectum? It's about these two women who have intense, passionate, romantic attachments to objects. EX colon. One woman is an archer who used to be married to her bow and arrow and then broke up with him for this bridge in Sweden. The other woman is obsessively in love with a carnival ride called 1001 Knocked. Oh, I have heard of that before. That seems pretty unusual how they get into that. By being sexually abused. Do you think it's okay if I steal some of my roommate's spinach and mustard? Why don't you just ask them? I don't know. He'd probably say no. Oh, then don't take it. Monday, March 24th, 7.45 a.m. Reading PDF. How do you imagine people reading this? Like, what kind of attention do they give it? Was it honest when you said to me you'd never had really good anal sex? And if so, isn't it curious that that changed soon after? Also, my transference with you and my college boyfriend was so inaccurate. You two are very different, except that you both like me. Also noticing myself judging my pseudo-intellectual streak very harshly when I read it. Also, have you prompted James Wood to this? Because he will know it's him if he reads it. I had a nightmare that was genuinely terrifying, but the only thing that happened was a nurse was kind of snarky with me and tickled me. (laughs) Monday, March 24th, 12.44 p.m. Clapping hands... I thought this would fly further. (laughs) Going to respond to these in an hour or two after I have some coffee. Friday, April 4th, 3.53 p.m. Emojiscape. Pink hearts, paw prints, footprints, zuh. Arf, woof, woof. No, no. Bad puppy. And they call it puppy play. LOL, I totally had one of those in my butt recently. You in December, colon, I have the worst personality. For some reason, I think about that line all the time. Fuck, I was going to try to be more reticent today. Do you have a Facebook? No. Me neither, and I'm self-righteous about it. LOL. For the next week, let's send each other only texts we sent to other people. I'll start. Looking forward to dinner. I'll try not to radiate too much extremity. Sounds fun. Can I bring friends? It seems like you forgive me for being such a bitch and want to forget about earlier this week, and I appreciate that. I also think about it by comparison. Like, yeah, my parents know and accept, but actually they don't know or accept. So really, how different is it? Can you find a balance between feeling strong and empowered and a little lip gloss and highlights? I was slash am worried you didn't respond to my text yesterday because you thought it was me being sexist rather than genuinely asking what you were going to wear. It's in WeHo. I'm being... 
I'm being really bad at figuring out how to have a relationship and not shit on my other relationships at the same time. Okay, sir. Friday, May 2nd, 5.41pm. So the publisher wants a final draft ASAP. We have to do our final chat soon. Green heart emoji. Saturday, May 3rd, 7.55 a.m. I'm done with school, actually, so... 10.54 a.m. Oh, cool. What was your paper about? P-A-P-E-R. Last night, my acquaintance, Courtney, said I have O-phobo, overcompensation for the fear of being obvious. 1.18 p.m. Are you available tomorrow? 4.46 p.m. Matt. 9.09 p.m. I forgive you for evading me. Yeah, tomorrow's good. Okay, cool. (laughs) Meet me on the internet at 4, your time. Can we do 4.45? Sorry to be so text dismissive. Yeah, that's perfect. Sunday, May 4th, 4.44 p.m. Green slash available in Gchat now. If you want some more time, just let me know. I'll smoke a cigarette. Hashtag parasuicide. Yes, yes. 10, 15 minutes. Emoji text bubble with ellipsis in it. 5.03 p.m. Yo. Hi. What have you been doing? Hanging out with Eric. I don't know, like what time frame? Just now? All week? Or past weeks? Months? Last time we really talked was when I was in SF. Yeah, the dialoguing has died down for sure. Yeah, I've been distracted. I'm trying hard to figure out how to be a person. LOL. Have you read How Should a Person Be? No, but I like the title a lot. I shaved this morning, first time in forever. I'm a smoothie right now, like you. Haha, that's me. I've never had anything close to a beard. How long? Did you have a bushy beard? No, not a bushy beard, but a nice fur contour to hide with. Do you feel tingly and exposed? A little bit, yeah. Less masculine, less age, less contour, less value. I said no femmes. I'm typing on Eric's computer, and I just opened his photo booth to maybe send you a selfie and found all this selfie porn he's made. I'm sort of surprised. Ha ha ha, photo booth is exactly where that happens. I was chilling with this dude in my room recently, and I pulled up photo booth, and these BDSME pics I took of myself a few months ago came up. And I was super embarrassed for a day or two, and then I was just like, fuck it. It actually doesn't matter at all that he saw that. Even if he gossips like crazy about it, I don't care. Did you glance away quickly because it felt like a violation of his privacy? No, I'm still going through them. LOL. (laughs) He is too opaque to me, so I'm not interested in preserving his privacy. Opaque, even though y'all talk and lay around together all the time? Yeah, he's a normie, so, you know. Normie how? I'm also a normie, but I do that thing where I'm like, tell me everything ever, and it's actually alienating. Well, duh, that's not normal. Normie, like, he doesn't want to talk about past relationships, for example. Maybe he isn't aware of the abnormal capacity you have to absorb certain things about people and still feel attracted to them. It could be presumptuous, but I see you as that. I would be attracted more, probably, because I would know more about what to do and not do. That's reasonable. There's a risk it could backfire. We always have to be cautious with peeps. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So I'm for real trying this celibacy thing, but I've been jerking off to porn a lot. But when I'm out at parties, it's interesting and liberating to realize that I don't need to restrict my behavior based on searching for some new sex partner or future BF. What do you want to get out of celebrity? LOL, power. Oh, celibacy. I thought you meant celebrity. (laughs) Yeah. 
I want to be a nicer person for one thing, and I think celibacy could somehow help me with that. And I'm trying to fix the severe tendency I have to misrecognize what I desire. And I want to try having sex with somebody after liking them and getting to know them, so there can be a level of intimacy that I'm largely unfamiliar with. I want to find someone I seem to be super compatible with sexually and have sex with him many consecutive times. It's an experiment. A lot of it comes out of this long encounter with you. Wow. Well, like I said, it's your time to shine. I was surprised when you seemed to mean that. Like, it's justified for me to feel like it's my turn. Because really, the world is just brutal about who gets to have their sexual needs met. Who does get to have them met? I feel like I don't really know. I'm inclined to say that sex is a private enough space that the world doesn't get to say. That's interesting. Hmm, I feel like I haven't allowed an adequate amount of space for my sexual encounters to be truly private. What are you doing this summer? That's the end. Thanks, Matt. This shit's not over. Tracy and I are going to do a Q&A now, and then we'll open up to, for, to the audience to ask questions. Uh, hey again. Um, so, yeah, I just have a few questions that I wanted to ask Bo, although given that reading, um, well, we'll see if this spirit can take us away from the seriousness of these questions. Um, but that was wonderful. Um, thanks so much. Um, All right, so my one appearance in this book, I have only one, and I describe your general state of being as topping from the bottom. Um, And I see, as a reader, this position totally in line with your authorship of this book. It's dispersed into multiple voices. They're seemingly unwriterly text messages, but they're ultimately called by you into this text with your name on the cover. Um, So I was wondering if you might want to talk about your relationship to the authorship of this book in terms of topping from the bottom. I had not made that connection before or thought about the authorship in terms of topping from the bottom. It's true that this book contains writings by a lot of other people and that it has my name on the cover. Um, I've never connected them in my mind before, but I can talk about them separately. Sure. Um, I guess I was like looking at a lot of reference in... um, in like the art world or whatever and like people declaring single authorship for texts that had a lot of other people's shit going on in them or not just texts but um, so that's I don't know eventually what sort of became this novel but um, topping from the bottom is like a super interesting concept to me that basically since we I think became interested in it together at the Mm. same time well I mean this is my vanity to include like the one time that (laughs) I come up in the book and make it about your you I'm happy to talk about this (laughs) um I was reading yesterday. I googled the politics of masochism, uh-huh. and uh, what came up first was this essay about Jackass, like the show and the <laughs> movies. And it argued that like the men of Jackass were like, you know, using or like sort of like incorporating abject things. And, and like in order to like sort of like reaffirm their own masculine dominance but the one thing that they always refuse to do is take things up the butt and like in one episode Steve-O uh, bam takes things up the butt I haven't seen 
Um, <laughs> well, Steve-O also refuses to do this, despite all of these other indignities that he like gleefully signs up for. Mm-hmm. And then a f- he refuses to take this beer bottle off his butt. And then a few <laughs> episodes later, he gets his butt cheeks clamped together. And so <laughs> I was thinking about like bottoming from the top yes. more recently. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's really funny. That's what I have to say about <laughs> yeah. that. No, amazing. Um, I think that that'll sort of turn into this question that I have, um, which is about humiliation. And you read uh, the quote that I wanted to read tonight, which is, Philip Seymour Hoffman died. Are you over me? Um, and and then again, like, I'm lounging around today if you want to con- connect and share. And then what emerges is the, you know, the next day stamp and all of that time has gone by. Um, and so for me, like reading this book, like humiliation forms a sort of like sticky substance that is the thing that keeps the reader, like keeps the characters in the book, like the solidarity between them and also between the reader and you. And I'm just wondering if you might want to talk about the politics of humiliation in your writing of this book. Yeah, I mean, before I was working with text messages, my work was always really concerned with this and like self-humiliation as a writing practice. And um, let me think. Um, Yeah, yeah, I I did not prepare him with these questions, by the way. I refused. I was like, I'm going to throw them at you on the spot. So he really is thinking. I guess it's always like, I don't know. I was... was, I was interested in I'm interested in works that have like therapeutic value to a degree and I often enjoy like authorial self-humiliation in the books that I read mm-hmm. so it's like sort of I don't know um, and the, the refusal to engage in that at all I see as like this sort of masculinist paradigm of novel writing that I feel pretty bored by and dominated mm. by and so I also think it was important for this project which could so easily be accused of this sort of like you know I'm sure it will be of this like you know hysterical narcissism that I thought that what really made it work was that I was constantly like mm-hmm. willing to humiliate myself or my past self mm-hmm. and that is actually Good sort distinction. Of, yeah well I mean <laughs> yeah and so it's no helpful for your life. So without that, I feel like this book would just be like aggressively boring or something. Yeah. And that it creates this like dynamics d- dynamic of, I don't know, something. It's just like, mm-hmm. for, for me, it makes it readable. And I also like it in transcribing these and dealing with them later, I was like, what may sound like this really like sort of abject confessional thing was just became funny to me. And like, I no longer cared mm-hmm. and I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's funny. Yeah, I do too. Um, everyone else did. And, too. Uh, but uh, po- the politics is something you ask about. Sure. I don't know. Like, this is something I always bring up, but the scum manifesto had a huge impact on me. Mm-hmm. And I think that like men, like, well, she says eliminating themselves, but it's like, <laughs> you know, this like anarchist radical, like, you know, way out there radical thing. But mm-hmm. I'm interested in embracing passivity and embracing the bottom role. And mm-hmm. I feel that that like sort of gives me solidarity with women. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested in the bottom category because it builds a sort of categorical bridge between, you know, homos and heteros or what have you mm-hmm. if yeah if hetero male bottoms ever wanted to come out that would be, <laughs> that would be cool there are they exist they may be having yeah, it yeah. um um yeah, that's interesting to think about. You're theorizing the um, top-bottom distinction via your own text. Well, there's um, just like no, th- there's no satisfying theoretical writing about these no. categories, and they're so pervasive and like gay communications, even more so with things like grinder and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you and I will talk about that endlessly throughout our lives. Um, but yeah, the, um, maybe I'll ask like just one more question and then I'll open it up, which is sort of, um, um, this is from the book. Um, you're a little monster, just like Gaga wants you to be. Ew, no, it's autobiography of red. Um, and I, I love that in Crack War, I'm going to speak about Crack Wars, which is a text that we both love, um, where Avital Renal suggests that texts are on each other as if one is on drugs. And this text offers its own sort of metaphors for the intertextuality which occurs. You have like heteroglossia, um, textual intercourse. You also use like written out links to YouTube videos, the epigram being Marclay's telephone. Um, and so I was just going to ask you about like the different modes of textuality in the in the book um and then how do you square some of your like highbrow taste with the like desperation to be liked or like that sort of pop that the narrator is like so disclosing all the time and I think we got to that a little bit when um the like Matt is saying like I'm really um critiquing my I don't know if he uses the word pretentiousness. He like intellectualizing pseudo intellectual. Yeah, I think that there's this really beautiful tension that occurs, like in even in this little moment of like the mon- not the monster. You're, no, not the monster from Gaga. The monster from Ann Carson. Um, <laughs> well, I never really liked Lady Gaga very much. <laughs> um, that doesn't. That helps. <laughs> so I didn't want. <laughs> embrace that um but yeah i i like that observation i i was interested within this and like you know uh, in addition to all these other things like having like literary criticism or cultural criticism like as a genre like be a part of this and so that it just like it's a total confusing like Mm. you know sort of like homeless text that Mm. isn't any one genre in particular except for like you know techno dialogue or whatever mm. the fuck um no absolutely and so and it's something that like brings the reader in constantly yeah um and also like the monster from autobiography of red like i don't know he's this gay character it's like mm-hmm. this like g- gay youth is like configured as monstrous it was really impactful mm-hmm. to me when i read it mm-hmm. um so does that answer your question? I can't remember. Yeah, sure. What. I'm, I piled in some other crap about, um, you know, like the, the richness that I see going on in the book with all of the, the multiple forms that you're using because you only really talked about, you only presented the text messages, but they're actually, I mean, there are poems, there are emails, there are also... There's just a few poems and they're within emails. I mean, literally the text is entirely made of correspondences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there's poems within that, like poems I emailed... Uh-huh. And like the sort of like that's the sort of like Gmail interface is also like foregrounded in a lot of these Absolutely. or whatever. Um, so like the intertextuality being like functional to this sense of correspondence or always it, these texts that are always embedded in kinds of communication. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that it was just like another facet of this like long distance text relationship I have. And again, I don't think I think this is becoming sort of an ordinary thing to have. I don't think that this re- the form of this relationship is like particularly remarkable. That's like not why this archive exists. No. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I think that uh, yeah, I don't know. I just like I think about books all the time. I fucking work here. Mm-hmm. It's like easy for me to text <laughs> about them. <laughs> For sure. Um, well, speaking of here, um, I can. I have more questions, but I can also open it up. I don't want to like. Um, but if you're quiet, I, I got. I got more. 
Um, does anyone have anything that they'd like to ask? Yeah, um, I haven't read it yet, but uh, you use a lot of different mediums of communication. I think that's really very now, very today. I, I, I like that it, it meets these lines of texting and Gchat and Grinder and email. Do you feel like there are certain strengths that came out of using specific modes of communication versus others that kind of came out as you curated this process? Yeah, um, I think that the forms of these like apps or different you know interfaces for communicating do impact like the content of what is shared. Mm-hmm. I don't actually use Grinder. I've, I've used other like cruisy apps. So, but like <laughs> Grinder is just like so like demonic and fiery, and I never have any <laughs> conversations on there that are not depressing to me. And so I don't think anything from Grindr made it into the book. But I like your question, and I do think, although the book doesn't always, like, tell you, it always seems to be, like, a texting form or, like, a chat form. And I think very little of it is from apps. But um, I think that that does, like, again, like, inform the content of what is shared, like, the Mm -hmm. the different interfaces. Um, Yeah, and I think that's something that's cool to be aware of if you're using them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like conversations like pertaining to like BDSM cruising apps in the book that they're just like, I like, there's no intelligence coming from me in these conversations. It's just like super basic, like what I feel like this profile wants from me if we're going to like meet up IRL and have sex or whatever. So, does that cover your question, Ricardo? But I know in the blurb for this, it said it wasn't a novel, I guess some of the quotes. I read it completely as a novel. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if you thought about it in relationship to novels of correspondence, like A and Warhol or Dodie Bellamy's. Dodie Bellamy's book was like, you know, a precedent for sure. Or in like, I love Dick, but I actually, and this is like for like straight up, I did not think of it as a novel until super late in the process. I was like, this is like a monstrous text. I don't know what the fuck it is. It's just this archive. I wasn't thinking about the conventions of the novel because I wasn't thinking of it as a novel. I mean, I thought about it, but like, I didn't feel like I was writing a novel or like, really like saying something about the novel form until like very late like it was like done and I was like oh and then the way you read it is similar to like the way you get involved in a novel or yeah I think you could also talk about like a something built out of dialogue like a play but I wasn't thinking about that either I just thought of it as a monstrous form I didn't I didn't feel like I was engaging any like genre conventions directly yeah um Uh, Katie do you want to ask a question it's like 18 months um, and then it ended in May yeah this past May at the end of the book you guys were talking a lot about like, what was going to happen to your conversation after you stopped doing it for the book and like we still text a lot um, in the months after the archiving ended, although I've, I've also archived them, so that's why I really know this, it's like I, um, we texted more, but now it's like kind of died down. 
um, and like we text in like bursts, but not. It, there was more communication this in the summer, like shortly after the book ends, and then now it's like died out, and he like didn't really sound that interested in coming here. So I was like, okay, dude. <laughs> <laughs> But he's very down, and yeah, he's excited to participate. Um, Elizabeth, and then we'll do you, Peter. People have started to craft more artful texts to you since they heard that this book was coming out, and it's safe to text you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're in the fucking book, so you were never safe. I am not going to make another text message work. I'm going to distance myself from this shit now. (laughs) So you're safe. You know, I think that I got personally a lot out of archiving text messages and looking at these things, especially since I'm like prone to overshare, you know, just like (laughs) this writing of like pure, effective, like just Mm -hmm. like intensity. And like, that's my own personality and so like I got a lot out and it's from a psychoanalytic kind of point of view I got a lot out of like returning to these communications and like like a better understanding of how I narrate myself mm-hmm. and I think that that it was positive uh, but I'm not you're safe I'm not gonna <laughs> publish your shit <laughs> I would ask you first hey Uh, n- no, I was never intending to do that because I, I, I you know, and if like it, I, it felt readable to me without any of this like sort of description of what's going on mm-hmm. outside of the communication, and so, but also like if it was this like. D- it's not a difficult text. I think people find it pretty easy to read. But if it was, like, I was, I was comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Peter. Do you feel like uh, you have a good thing? Yes. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah, although I don't really go on a journey. And, like, I don't think that I've, like... <laughs> I also don't think that I've improved much at all. Like, I don't think that, like, that this, these, like, you know, nervous mm-hmm. concerns are any better for me now. And so, at the same time, there is a sort of stasis. Mm-hmm. Where like, a protagonist, like, you know, sails around or whatever and, like, meets monsters. I think of myself well, like as the- a protagonist in this documentary, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's, like, not fictively constructed very much at all and so well it's only the pu- it's only the publication of the book that retroactively places the demands on the relationship to have like this performative end like, yeah well i mean we're also aware from early on in the book that it's like bound for future publication mm-hmm. and so that did like provide imperatives to text more i'm sure mm-hmm. you know but yeah um yeah Can you talk a little bit more about um when you realized it was a well, it happened so late, like when it was like already almost finished and like final form. I was like, oh, actually, you could think of this as a novel. This one guy who I heard from, who I don't know, like is vehemently opposed to it being classified as a novel. I don't know. It's like ambiguous. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about. I mean, I love Dick was huge for me. Like a, probably a lot of people who live in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was that novel. 
And then there was like the Dodie Bellamy, the letters of Mina Harker, but more so it was related to, and I'll just like expose this, I think it's in the book anyways, it's like these chat videos made by Francis Stark, another LA artist, mm-hmm. and that's re- that was really provided the f- fullest precedent for me doing this shit. Um, I didn't think of it as a novel until it was like out of my hands almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why exactly did you uh, choose to make the images text instead of the actual mm-hmm. image? It happened like the first time I was archiving the text messages. I was like, I don't want to like deal with the photos <laughs> of emojis and like insert them into the text and make them really fucked up. The formatting, I don't know. I was like, maybe I'll just describe them. And the same goes for the photos. And then I tried to describe them at the same level that I would write a text message, just like really casual, mm-hmm. like not trying that hard to make poetry it's just like this is how I'm going to describe this emoji and some of them are strange and inscrutable but I think that the relationship between like yeah the the way that you render those emoji is similar to the way that you rend, like, render video links and um, the images that come throughout the book which I find like that the visual material is sort of like this outside that never finds its way in or only in very particular places and I yeah I did actually want the book to be devoid of photos early on and then later photos were added in this like important way and that had a lot to do with the Mm. really awesome work of my editor Rebecca who I think is here I mean she like she really helped me figure out the format it's like it's she I owe so much to her for the form of this book but um uh, so I didn't want there to be images because I felt like I just wanted it the text, I don't know to just like be archived I don't know I, mm-hmm. in the early stages I didn't want images at all and so I did this description thing with brackets Yeah. Um, anyone else? oh wow Katie, this is like an old friend of mine <laughs> like, <laughs> like childhood like, hey girl, hey yeah, so I was curious about the title and It does, and I don't know if I mentioned this, but my primary collaborator, with whom 75%-ish of the book was written, lives in Austin. And so it's Texas Texas is like this place as, that's opposed to here, and I moved here from there. So, um, Although I didn't know him there. Um, and so, and yeah, I do engage with like the sort of repressive society grew up in. I grew up in this like city in West Texas and so did she. So yeah, it's it's in there. Um yeah, and also like text messages. Like, yeah, you get it. <laughs> sex. <laughs> and sex. Yeah. Sex. You get it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is in there. And you know, I talk about being from Texas and he's in Texas. Yeah. Um Nick yeah, um, you talked about, like, the humiliation and, like, being at peace with death, so I was curious what you found, like, the scariest part of the process. Hmm. I like that question. Let me just think for a second. Scariest part. I guess the scariest part was, like, I don't know, just sort of generalized anxiety about, like, not editing these messages to be more intelligently written and just, like, letting them be. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to represent this like sort of like this reality I felt indebted to the way that they actually were um so that was scary just like 
poorly written things. I got over like the sex stuff pretty quickly, and I've always wanted to write about sex. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like the, that I had already made peace with. But the sort of stupidity of a lot of my messages is like the hardest thing <laughs> to deal with. Well, I think that that, I mean, I think that the performance of like intelligence for the reader then has this different. Um, I mean, we sort of in many ways are aligned with Matt, who you're performing for in these text messages. And so, like, the kinds of stupidity that you allow yourself in those moments are really sort of generous to us and also to him. And I don't know, I'm like, I think that for, I think stupidity and intimacy are very closely aligned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I would like to talk to you more about that. <laughs> sure. I have thought about it more or something. Um, Bo, did you have a question? Yeah, so as you went back and you were like... There's another one. ...or just archiving all of these conversations, did you find that, like, a diff- there was a difference between, like, the digital versus IRL relationships that you have with, like, each of the subjects that that sort of changes your interaction? Well, you think a lot about, like, bodily presence and what that does to, like, verbal communication. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that Matt and I try to achieve that by, like, focusing on, like, our bodily, like, Mm-hmm. like being ill or like having like you know like I don't know he talks about his like ass boils and like just like these sort of like bod- body problems I think that like is sort of an attempt to bring like the bodily the bodily presence of like an IRL interaction into play um well there's also the metaphor of like wait. leaks that's so germane to technological communication that like seems to resonate with this body yeah i would also say that there is a marked difference between g chats and text messages in the book mm. and like the, the way that you were typing and the amount that you share because of that and i was like yeah that that is a pronounced difference just like from you know easily typing quickly to like having to do your phone thing <laughs> your phone thing um anyone else no cool. oh hey yeah I remove stuff. I just edit it to be more readable to strangers. And I remove stuff, like, as a matter of length. Um, but I didn't give preference to, like, things that were... I Like, most of the things that I'm, like, uncomfortable with got left in. It's, like, more about, like, sort of, like, repetitive things. I mean, there, there's still, like, a lot of repetition. Like, the anxieties that we express over sex, like, I haven't... Don't really get that much better. So, but, like, and I, I have a pessimistic outlook. I don't know. But, like... Um, <laughs> Um, it was just like what was repetitive was taken out and what was just like incomprehensible sometimes. Although so there's sometimes still incomprehensible, but not, not as much at all as it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think with that, uh, yeah, like, let's I'm go good. drink. I'm good. Yeah, well, no, um, you're I have great. to stay here and, like, sign books. Okay, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Bo is going to sign books. Oh, and- but everyone, I'm going to host an after event at Akbar, so I hope to see you there. And, and I'll be signing books. Yeah, please, I... Yeah, right here. Obviously, as you've seen tonight, you will not regret picking one up. Um, and congratulations, Thanks, Tracy darling. and Matt Thank you and so Jake much. and everyone at Skylight and all of you for being here. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.